Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Oh, I, I, I said today I tackled a new food item. It's called the grilled cheese, and I killed it. It was unbelievable. <laughs> I've, I mean, Eddie, people have been making grilled cheese. Like, I, I, grew, up, I grew up with two parents that both worked, and I was making grilled cheese at, like, 10. Yeah, same. I, I will have a grilled cheese cook-off, Carrie, any day <laughs> of the week. It's really easy, Eddie. It's butter, bread, and cheese. You say that, and then, you know, maybe things go haywire. Maybe Maybe you didn't put enough. Look, you and I in. have spent. Uh, you and I have right spent cheese. a lot I, of time on the road over the years. You times. do not have some <laughs> delicate palate, pal. Okay. <laughs> News team, assemble! And bigger than ever, it's the unofficial 40 from Soonerscoop.com. Now, here's the entire Soonerscoop crew, Carrie, Josh, Eddie, and Bob. All right, welcome back, everybody. It is time for another edition of the unofficial 40 podcast. It's another quarantine edition uh, where we welcome in the whole gang, uh, Eddie, Bob, Josh, and we actually are welcoming in a special guest today. Uh, and that is former OU beat writer uh, Jake Trotter, who uh, formerly of the Oklahoman, formerly of ESPN, uh, still with ESPN in a different capacity. He's covering the Cleveland Browns, though, and, and I guess I'm skipping the ESPN Big 12 arc that you had there for a while, uh, and a college football reporter general, and then you switched over to the Cleveland Browns beat. And uh, Jake, hey, how you doing today? Thanks for joining us. It's good, to, good to be on with you guys, like the old days here. You are you're like Saturday Night Live. You're like uh, one of the most recurring recurring uh, co-hosts on this show. I think. Yeah, is that right? Because I feel like I've only done this podcast once or twice before. Once. Well, you've done it, and I, I think, think you that, and Kersey have both done it either two or three times. Yeah, I've definitely. And to not, be fair, I'm we are extremely like territorial. Yeah, we don't let anybody on our podcast. It's it's right. We're, right. we're weird about it, uh, and also. We can say this now. We talked about this before the show. Brother-in-law to one Bob Prisbillo. Uh, and apparently Bob Prisbillo, he's very cocky, especially when Jake comes around. Uh, Bob, would you like to tell us who is the favorite uh, son or son-in-law in the Trotter family? Oh, it's got to be me. <laughs> this isn't even a contest. This isn't no argu- even a race. Literally no argument from this end at all. <laughs> See, and I was so shocked the first time that you were like, yeah, it's true. Because, uh, like, he would tell us all these stories about, you know, how much, you know, he and your dad enjoy movies together and they would go to movies together. And I was like, that's just, I don't believe that, but you verify that. So, like, all between my, me and my three siblings were all married. If we were going to rank the, the, the children and their spouses, like, one through eight, Bob is 
probably top two, and I'm definitely second tier. I'm like <laughs> at best like seven. <laughs> And right, this, is true. Any, this yeah. is true. This is true. And now that he lo- is he is now that he has planted his seed in your sister and they produced a child. <laughs> oh, wow. He probably <laughs> that was horrific. He probably shoots up the chart even further, right? I don't know if Bob has said this before, but I actually was the one who introduced him uh him to yes. my sister. Oh yeah. And I ne- yep. which I never get credit for in my own family, but that did actually happen. <laughs> it, it was at your book signing party. Correct. Yeah, the the OU Texas book. How are wow. you? Uh, how are you handling? Uh, let's just get into it. How are you handling the uh, the the pandemic, the coronavirus? Uh, obviously, the NFL seems to be the one sport that hasn't been all that affected because they really haven't had anything except for the draft coming up. But uh, what has it been like in Cleveland? What has it been like just just dealing with an NFL team? Because uh, we all talk a lot about what it's like dealing with OU right now. Yeah, you know, it really hasn't affected me that much yet. Of course, it will shortly here, uh, especially once we get past the draft, which uh, is still on uh, in a couple weeks here in April. But, you know, I've been covering free agency the last two weeks. The Browns have been very busy trying to support Baker Mayfield on and off the field. They've signed, you know, half dozen guys defensively. So they've been very active, and that's kept me uh, very busy. And so it's not like it's been that different for me not like it would have been with college football. Like I can't, you know, I've been talking to some of my, you know, East Bend colleagues, what they've been having to do on the college football side. And it's, it's very difficult because now we'd have spring practice going on. We'd have spring games and, and that's just not happening. So um, it's, it's definitely a bigger challenge for them than it has been for me. Uh, uh, a bigger challenge for you guys, I'm sure. And, and, you know, it's, we're all going to be in the same boat eventually because it's not like things are going to change anytime soon. It doesn't sound like. Where do you even begin when it comes to uh, talking about the Browns last year? It seemed like to get a front row seat to that shit show, Jake, that had to have been pretty spectacular. Not in a spectacular way of uh, every day it was awesome, but just to see it up close, (laughs) that was uh, interesting to watch from afar. So, Eddie, I've been covering college football, so I covered it for almost 15 years. Sure. Before I took this job. You take all those 15 years combined – all the crazy incidents, and you guys know we've covered some crazy stuff over the years. And they didn't com- send you to Bur- they didn't send you to Burlington Coat Factory, did they? No, but I I was I remember uh, <laughs> uh, on a ride to, to Glendale to the sure. stadium, calling different precincts within the greater Phoenix area, trying to figure out like what what town this actually happened in uh, to get some facts <laughs> that morning. And so on yeah, Fiesta I mean, Bowl I, Media Day, no less. <laughs> that, was, that was a crazy day. Yeah, it was, and we get there like, uh, yeah, and he was he was already I think on a bus back to to Norman at that point. So I've covered some crazy stuff related to to OU football and the Big Twelve and college football in general, and none of it exceeds combined what I witnessed this past season with the Browns. Is Miles Garrett the top of it though? It's got to be. You know, it's it's definitely up there. Uh, you know, they had a starting wide receiver reportedly telling opposing players and coaches come to me. come get me out of Cleveland before games is pretty crazy. Uh, we all, we had the, I, I always go back to Denver. Denver is sort of the, the, the most bizarre underrated part of last season. So the Browns lose to Denver and I walk into the locker room and, and Jermaine Whitehead, who is a, a safety for the Browns who missed a couple of big tackles in that game 
is over there on his phone. And what he was doing, I didn't realize it at the time, is he's tweeting death threats at people that had criticized him during the game. <laughs> Before he gets on the bus to leave Mile High, his Twitter account has already been suspended, and he would be waived the following morning. So he's in his uniform tweeting death threats. You have Baker Mayfield, who was shaving for like a 19th time that day at the stadium. Remember, he showed up with a full beard, went to the Fu Manchu before the game, and then inexplicably showed up in his post-game press conference with just a normal stash. And then you had Odell Beckham, who the NFL had threatened that they were going to sit him in the second half if he didn't take off his Joker cleats that he was wearing, which in their white cleats with the Joker face on them, which is non-compliant with NFL rules. Like all this was happening. And like the, 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 the outcome of the game was like the fourth biggest story that night. That that's just how bizarre uh, the season was. And that wasn't like anything out of, out of <clears throat> extraordinary. It was like kind of a normal week. Like you talk to people in the building and they, even they were like, we know something's going to happen this week. We don't know what it's going to be, but it's going to be bizarre and ridiculous. And sure enough, something would pop up. Um, you know, that week or, or after the game. I mean, you talk about the Miles Garrett thing. That day, earlier that day, like an hour or two before kickoff, they had cut Antonio Callaway because he had, A, showed up late to the game before and got benched. He had shown up late to a practice on Tuesday. Remember, that was a Thursday night game. And then he was cut because he had failed, uh, the, uh, he had failed a, a test um, and, and violated the league substance abuse policy for the second time that season. So, like people forget that he was even on the team because of all that it would happen that night. But it was like every week I, I I couldn't believe like some of the stuff that would happen related to this team. What well and you know, we only really got to see Baker Mayfield. I mean, his own, we all know. He he had his own um struggles that he created for himself to battle through. But really losing to Houston and losing to Ohio State in at home <laughs> And the same season, like that's the lowest we ever got to see Baker, and he handled it well. But how? Wh- what was it like covering Baker Mayfield last year when he's pretty much the lowest of his low in his in his football career since he was in college? It was very different than the way we all remember it when he was at OU, which was always kind of light. You know, he was one of the. You know, I think we all agree one of the the best people to cover in terms of content and the quotes he would give, you know, and he was always like, always appreciated how smart Baker was about things that were going on around the big 12 in college football. He was a fan of the game. And so it was just, and and he always had interesting stories to tell, whether, you know, it was joining the I, the intramural team and the freshman dorm when he transferred over Mm -hmm. from Texas tech. I mean, there's a bunch of those kind of stories with Baker. So just a, um, a fun, a fun player to cover, uh, for a number of years. And I, I covered Baker back to when he was at Texas tech. I covered his first career game when he was playing SMU, when he became the first walk on true freshman to start an opener for a power five team ever. So uh, it was, it was very different. It was very strained. Um, and there was a lot of chaos going around Baker. And so, you know, people ask me all the time, like, you know, how much fault do you put on Baker for the way he played last year? And certainly he deserves a lot of the blame. I mean, his, you know, his accuracy completely fell apart. His decision-making fell apart. His footwork fell apart. He was just discombobulated throughout the entire season. But, I mean, just look what happened to the guy who was protecting him uh, from the blind side last year. Greg Robinson, their starting left tackle. Like, he was arrested in El Paso, I think it was a month ago, but it feels like nine years ago, the way that the, the world has evolved recently. 
he was arrested in El Paso with uh, 157 pounds of marijuana <laughs> I forgot. by like a, a <laughs> by like a border customs patrol yeah. stop. So like that's what he was dealing with last year, and uh, you know the chaos extended to the front office and the coaching staff. We're all gone now. Um, it was it, it was it was difficult for him, and I think he had never been in the situation before where a he was struggling for an extended period of time. Um, and he had always been in pretty, um, you know, at least in college, like pretty stable situations, yeah. which was not the case last year. How- Needless to say, I think that Freddie Kitchens was awful. That was one of the worst years. And it was, but was that, was that just, just, was that low hanging fruit or do you feel like Freddie Kitchens was an idiot? Well, I mean, I'm not I'm not going to call uh, Freddie an idiot. What I will say is that they never found an identity offensively. And at the end of the day, that falls on on Freddie. And, you know, having covered them last year, it's like hard to figure out why they were so successful. The second half of Baker's uh, rookie season where Freddie takes over his play caller and they they were awesome offensively. Like Baker was statistically one of the best quarterbacks in football as a rookie, uh, you know, broke the rookie uh, NFL passing touchdown record, um, you know, almost one rookie of the year. And then the following year where it was just a, a total mess, it was hard to fathom why, why they'd been successful. I mean, I think one element, you know, one big part of it was that Freddie had never been a play caller before. He had never been a head coach before. And the Browns tasked him with doing both for the first time, which was very difficult. Um, they had this weird, setup where they had Todd Munkin, who we all remember, you know, being a terrific offensive coordinator at Oklahoma State, who's now at Georgia. You know, he was not the play caller and he was sort of in charge of game planning, but so were, like, so was uh, uh, Ryan Lindley, who was like the quarterback's coach, who was tight with Baker, and Drew Stanton even, who was the backup quarterback, who was more of a coach than he was a player, which was strange. And so they, they just were, they just kind of like this discombobulated setup to where they were not effective uh in game planning or play calling um in part because they had too many people involved in the process and really nobody kind of you know knew play to play what they were going to do after they ran out uh of their script so like the browns were actually a pretty good offense last year on opening drives they're one of the five best offenses in the nfl and yet they were i think 22nd in efficiency in the nfl offensively which shows how bad they were the rest of the games because they didn't have a script they were working off of. And it would just seem like they were just throwing darts, hoping something would work. And oftentimes it did it. Well, and here's, here's my biggest question about the Browns last year, the, the season that they had. And it surrounds, I, you know, I, I, I loved hard knocks. I watched the entire thing. It was, it was a great insight, especially I thought into Jarvis Landry. And to me, Jarvis Landry seems like a guy that cares, that wants to be good, that wants to be a yes. good teammate. Uh, and I'm just curious, like, with Odell Beckham, could he be doing more on the practice field, out everything outside of game days? Is there something he could be doing more to be a better receiver for Baker Mayfield? Or is it is it some on Baker that he hasn't done enough uh, you know, on the practice field with Odell Beckham on the side, those kinds of things. Yeah, well, you're, you're right about Landry. You know, he is one of the few leaders they had in the locker room last year, along with Baker and a couple other guys. But they had a massive leadership defi- deficiency in that locker room. Like it was almost rudderless at times, and and that's that's the reason why you had all these bizarre 
incidents happening because there was nobody to say, like, knock it off. This is ridiculous. You know, we have a chance to make the playoff. Like, what are we doing? There just there weren't enough of those guys in the locker room, particularly on the defensive side. And with Odell and Baker, I mean, here's the deal with Odell. They, they make the trade in March. Odell skips all the OTAs. He practiced one day of minicamp. He practiced one week of training camp, and then he got hurt. And then through the season, he was basically like practicing on Fridays only. So they never had the chance to develop any kind of rapport together. And, you know, Baker, you guys know this. Baker has this reputation to be, as being this, like, you know, this, this uh, gunslinger, you know, outside the pocket taking chances. But in reality, Baker is a very precision-oriented player, uh, especially under Lincoln Riley. And, you know, when he's had success in the NFL, you know, everything is on time. And Odell is not a precise route runner, um, or at least he wasn't last season. And so there were times where, you know, kind of like, where's Baker throwing the ball? Where that, that was more on Odell, just not running the right route. And I think that was difficult for Baker trying to get Odell involved while at the same time dealing with, like, I don't I don't know where he's going to be on this particular play. And, and, and I think a big part of that was just oh, them not practicing together. To, to develop timing you have to have in the NFL to be successful. Bob, you need to ask a question here, I think. <laughs> All right, but so I'm going to shift away from I'm going to shift away from the Browns and since you're there in Cleveland, what's the what's the feeling there with the Buckeye fans with Trey Sermon coming their way? Yeah, I think they're uh, you know, very excited. Uh, you know, people have asked me, especially on radio here, like what kind of player he is and uh, you know, you know, he got overshadowed a little bit by the, you know, the great quarterback play they, they've had. And then, you know, him being sort of a, a rotation player in the backfield instead of the guy. But, um, you know, I think he's, he's, would you guys agree, one of the, like a top 10 returning running back in college football? Or at least you could make the case. Uh, I think him. in the and, right and system, he, he, he. When he used correctly, yes. Yeah. Yes, yeah. He has that, he has that potential. Um, you know, they, they need help at running back with uh, J.K. Dobbins. Uh, you know, moving on to the NFL now. Um, I think that they signed, Josh, you probably know this. Didn't, didn't Ohio State recently get a commitment from like the number one or two running back in the country? Is that right? They, they got, got two, two of them got, for 2021. They got Evan okay. Pryor yeah. from North so, Carolina and Trey Henderson from Virginia. They've got a lot of talent on the way. Um, and I think he'll be a good bridge player to that. But, um, you know, I, I think it's a big addition for them. And, uh, you know, they, they lost a lot of guys off last year's team, but they're still pretty talented. And, uh, they, I think they have a chance to be right back in the mix for a, a playoff spot again. Let me ask you this, Jake. I mean, we all know like NBA and we kind of know, you know, like Royce and, and, and guys around here that, you know, and Royce isn't even doing this so much anymore. Maybe he, he, he started to, but, uh, you know, you have 82 games, a lot of travel involved, a uh, lot of, a lot of work to be done, but is there anything that you've experienced that's like the grind of covering an NFL team? No, and, and, you know, somebody was asking me about the 17th game that they've added. And, and I noticed this, this season, you know, covering the NFL for the first time full time, it's a long season. And it's a big difference going from 16 games to 17 games. You know, college, uh, you know, you're done at 12, 13 if you make your conference championship. And then, you know, you're done until your bowl or your playoff. And and you're still exhausted. NFL, you're, I mean, even at 12 and 13 yeah. games, oh, I mean, yeah. you need like a month to recover the, after a college football season. In the NFL, you're just three quarters of the way done. So it's a it's a very long season. And it, it it's an adjustment for these players in terms of, you know, 
playing at a certain level for that long. And that's why, you know, in the NBA with rookies too, uh, you know, going from, you know, 30 some odd college basketball games to 82. Yeah. You'll see guys tail off, uh, you know, hit that rookie wall. The, the same is true, um, you know, with the NFL. And so it, 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 it takes, it takes some time to, you know, get used to that, that, that grind. And, you know, I think, you know, back to Baker, I mean, the one, the, the big disservice that the, the franchise has done to him is that he's now playing for his, on top of adjusting to play in the NFL, he's, he's now going to be on his fourth head coach. Like it felt like Baker was at OU yesterday. He's already yeah. had four NFL head coaches. He's had three offensive coordinators. So um, this is a big year for Baker coming up uh, because, you know, it, it's, it's either going to work or it's not going to work. And I think we'll find out this season whether it does. Uh, but back to your you know, original question, Kerry, it is, it's a long season in the NFL. Is there anybody you could see uh, the Browns take an interest in from OU in the draft? Um, they need help at linebacker, so somebody like Kenneth Murray would make sense. He's he's probably what a day two guy, early day two guy. Um, Ouch! They, they, Ouch! There's, I mean, right, he's second. he's into first round. That's where a lot of mocks have had him. I, people are okay. really in love with him. I mean, he ran a nice forty. Uh, you, he passes the eye test, but I think we all know that have covered him. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of question marks there. Well, and you you don't see linebackers go in the first round. At the, at the at the rate you do, you see corners or offensive tackles. So, um, you know, just from the Browns' perspective, um, you know, he would be a guy they'd be interested in, but he would have to be a day two guy. I think Cleveland has bigger needs at safety than they do at linebacker. So, um, to me, I I don't think that that I don't think he's going to be around by the time you know they're ready to select a linebacker. I mean, I think they're very likely to set, select an offensive tackle at number ten and then select a safety uh, with their second. Interesting. Guys, anything an else? Be- I'm sorry. I was going to say, if there's like an Odell Beckham trade that happened, yeah. you know, you could put CeeDee Lamb on the table because I think CeeDee, you know, is going to go right around where the Browns are picking, but um, they just have other needs. So, uh, you know, if they picked an OU player, uh, it would be in the later rounds. And, and you know, it's hard to project, uh, you know, who's going to be around when they pick that, that late in the draft. You know, I, I don't want to destroy any confidences here, but I, I, I know you and I have spoken recently and um, I, you kind of indicated that there might be some people in NFL circles that because of what happened with CeeDee Lamb last year at the Baylor game, that, that that's something that NFL teams are kind of curious about right now. Well, listen, I mean, you guys, you guys know better than I. Um, you know, it's kind of a mysterious. Oh, it is situation in the sense that like i remember watching espn college game day that morning and like cd lamb was one of the big feature pieces and then all of a sudden he wasn't playing but i i actually heard of the combine that that cd was outstanding in the meetings and the board work he had with different teams and you know we, we saw what he did uh you know with the 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 you know the 40 and you know his workouts like i think cd i think he's going to be a top 12 13 pick at, at at least i think he could even be a top 10 player depending on what somebody like arizona you know wants to do yeah. um you know, he's going to be one of the top two receivers on the board to go off the board along with with jerry judy uh, i think that's pretty clear in what you know should be a really strong uh receiver draft so um i uh you know i, I think teams are going to do their due diligence as much as they can especially now that they can't bring these guys in 
Um, and, and if you're looking at CD, like what might be out there that, uh, you know, could be a potential red flag, that that's one of the very few things that would come up. But I, I, I don't think it's going to affect his draft stock. You don't think there's any danger of the, the draft getting postponed or anything? They just, just scale it back and just pick them over well, a phone I mean, if they have to from wherever be, they are? Yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be, you know, a digital event. You're going to have, uh, everybody's going to be, you know, at home. Um, you know, these teams are going to be allowed to be at their facilities, which, by the way, are closed across the league right now. Uh, I think you can have up to 10 people, but you got to practice social distancing. So um, it's going to be very limited, the number of people that are, that are going to be allowed to be in the draft room, uh, far less than, than what we usually see. And then there's not going to be uh, the, the pomp and circumstance that was going to happen in Vegas uh, that, that, that they had scheduled. And, and, you know, by the way, you know, the next draft is going to be in Cleveland. Uh, so it'll be interesting, you know, this is a long way out, but it'll be interesting to see, you know, if society changes off of all this, how that might affect, uh, the draft in Cleveland, but the draft is going to happen and, um, we better enjoy it. Cause we don't know when we're going to get, you know, a, a sporting event, uh, uh, uh again, like it, it might be a while. So, uh, the NFL draft is the one thing that, that we can count on beyond that. Like, it's, it's totally up in the air, I think, at this point. You know, what's funny is, in a strange way for the viewer at home, I don't think they'll be able to even tell, outside of, I guess, the, the shots, return shots from commercials, I don't think people will even be able to tell that there's nobody at the... Like, I, I think the biggest losers in the world are the people that go stand in the stands at uh, the NFL draft anyway. So let's just get this thing over with. I think there were 600,000 people in Nashville. It was crazy. I will say... That looked pretty badass. I will say that did look badass. That looked fun. That was a different setup, though. Which is the opposite of what you like. You need to be doing right now with the you know the the shelter at home (laughs) orders that are Nashville could never happen right now. Like that's that was just people crammed into a sardine can. It was it was crazy. Uh, So I I mean I think for us I think for the the average sports fan I I think the the draft. Um, you know, I think people are going to be paying attention to the draft because it's not going to be competing against literally anything else. We're not going to have NBA playoffs. You know, we're not going to have anything else going on. So um, I think people are going to enjoy the draft yeah, um, we need because it. it's the only thing we have right now. It'll be a nice escape. There's no doubt about that. Are you just waiting like every day for some, you know, Goodell bomb to drop where someone admits like, well, we may not be able to start the season? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think that's going to be a summer topic, um, but I'm not I'm not waiting for. I'm just you know, it's it's uh, you know, people ask me like, are we going to have a season? You know, we, we saw what Kirk Herb, Kirk uh, Herb Street said about college football. Like nobody knows. Like, imagine how different things have gotten since that Rudy Gobert Thunder. You were talking about Royce earlier. You know, that was only a couple, like, what was that, like, three weeks well, ago? I think 21, I mean, 22, 23 days ago now. Yeah, so, I mean, just think how dramatically different things have gotten since that point. Um, so, I mean, it's difficult to project what, what the world might look like a week from now, much less four, four months from now. So, like, who knows the at this point? Damn lying Chinese are screwing everything up right now. Well, that's why they call it the Chinese virus. I don't mind him calling that calling it that now. I'm just gonna. I just Jake. I just love dropping 
conflicting opinions on politics every time I open my mouth to just confuse everyone. One day yeah, I, I, mean, I like to pretend like I love, you know, I'm a, I'm a MAGA guy. Another day I like to pretend like I miss Obama. It's just confusing yeah, to people. Yeah, you, ne- you, you're not going to see me tweet or... Uh... You know, Bowman's probably see, seen me do it uh, privately, but uh, you'll never see me uh, pontificate on politics uh, publicly. We have nothing else to do, though. I mean, when Trump brings up the My Pillow guy, and you My realize pillow. that he's a, cra- a re- recovering crack addict, I mean, you have to comment on that. I mean, it's just, it's too good. Like, there's nothing else going on. Like the My Pillow guy kissing Trump's ass, being a crack addict. I mean, that's uh, that's fantastic. That's why we need the draft. Yeah, we do. Calm everybody down. All right, uh, Josh. Any uh, any last words for Jake? Uh, Jake, you know, as he's you been, and I, as... he's been playing with the kids or something while this you know, is going jo- on. Jo- Josh, uh, you know, the biggest snowstorm. I mean, I've lived in Cleveland for a year, and to this day, uh, Josh and I uh, shared an experience in the biggest snowstorm that I've ever been on. Been in what was that like two thousand? What was that two thousand and uh, like? Eight, nine, yeah, it was something like that. Around the holidays, yep, that was me. uh, You know, it 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 came off really selfless as I was trying to help people get to work. So I, you know, used my four by four and didn't even have a a a monstrosity of a truck like Carrie likes to talk about now. (laughs) But I did have four by four. Got a few people to work, including Mrs. Trotter, um, and. In doing so, allowed Tiffany to go home from work. So my my goals were completely selfish, but I got to paint myself in a light. Like I'm really helping people here. I'm doing a good thing. But I, you know, I wanted to be perfectly clear. As ever, I was completely focused on myself. It would have been helpful if your your four by whatever had not gotten stuck on the street. Because I that remember was we a were problem. trying to push it out for like an hour. At That's why he got the Ford F nine fifty. Exactly. Nine fifty. Hey, you combine that car with Houston, we've never been stuck in the snow. It's never happened. By the way, Jake, didn't you make the, like, one, one, weren't you one of the people that made kind of a final trip to Disney World before the virus hit? Didn't I see some pictures on Facebook or something? We went, yeah, we went in, uh, like, the first week in February. um, And really before, uh, you know, I think the coronavirus was on the consciousness of the nation at that point. yeah, we went we went the first week in February, so I was I was really glad that we went when we did. Um, you know, my daughter keeps asking when we can go back and like that, you know, she keeps asking every morning now, like, is the coronavirus gone yet so we can go back oh, no. to Disney? I'm like, not gone yet. No. Still there. You know, Jake, Brittany's Some asking the same, the same thing. It'll be gone. Brittany's asking the same thing. We wanna go back too. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it, we, who knows? Josh, by the time this thing is over, you're going to have to start a GoFundMe to take the family back there. Uh, Yeah, well, you know, that's not that heartbreaking. I'm not one of those dads that's, like, got the Disney shirt on. I'm, I, We don't have to go back in. We will. I know we will, but I am not. D- Disney means nothing to me. I, I, it has, it holds no interest. God, I've never me. been prouder to be your business partner than I am right now. <laughs> I, I, I think Bob's on the other end of the spectrum on that. I'm surprised Bob doesn't wear the Mickey ears just on a daily basis. Just Bob, you're going to be that dad on the plane, aren't you? And I'm going to be the guy like three rows over, like, look at this asshole. <laughs> <laughs> 
sewing you up. This is how you be a dad, Josh. <laughs> this is how you do it. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. There yeah. will never be a Sooner Scoop <laughs> Disney World retreat. I can guarantee that. That will. I, if there is, I won't be there. Neither will I or Eddie, I don't think. You're, you guys are missing out. Single guys without children do not need to be going to Disney World by themselves. <laughs> we need to make true. a blanket statement on that. Yeah, I would want like Eddie. You haven't had like a bachelor party there. You have, you have bachelor parties all over the place. It seems like. Yeah, none of us have uh, taken us to uh, Orlando. There's somewhere. There's a uh, Pulse nightclub joke in there, but I'm not gonna make it. I'm mature. I'm more mature than that. <laughs> and Eddie, I mean, Orlando is a strip capital of the world, buddy. I'm a little surprised you haven't worked that in somewhere. Now you guys know why I wanted to go to Orlando so bad just to cover the RCS a couple of months ago. <laughs> Yeah, that was a different time, too. We used to actually have rivals camps. That was pre-Rona. Yeah. That was pre-Rona. Less than a month ago. Well, Jake, we you hope... Guys, uh, no, go ahead. You guys have, uh, you guys have like, uh, we're going to rank, uh, like, the best... We should rank the, uh, the, the, the best OU football teams in, uh, what, since uh, 99? Oh, or it's... We it's our, we've already claimed teams for this. Yeah, it's... You know, you know who uh, Kevin Stefanski, Cleveland's new head uh, coach, coached for a long time. Actually, asked me about him when I, I first met him, uh, Sam Bradford. So he's he's yeah, coached Minnesota. Uh, yeah, coached him in Minnesota. And I was I was I was telling him that like how great of a all around athlete Sam was uh, back in the day, Eddie. Because like, didn't Sam play hockey too? Yes. Yeah, well, he did. I, he was like and and like an incredible golfer. Uh, so uh, Kevin is. was interested. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah, he is the Jake. This is I'm not trying to piss off Eddie. I don't think he'll be pissed off. Um, I gotta say, of all the are you, superstars are you ready, that I've get ready to trash PC North or what? No, no, no. no. Uh, of all the superstars I've ever covered, he is the most reclusive by far. I don't know anyone else that's even yeah. remotely like him. And even Stefanski was like, um, you know, we were talking about how different baker and sam were in terms of their persona like sam oh, yeah, I think even even around uh you know e even away from the media you know was 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 definitely you know more introverted is that fair eddie yeah i think that's fair yeah i does not have any appetite for the uh believe me i people ask about it all on the board and stuff all the time. it's like why is he around the program he's living in oklahoma city you would think that he would drive down there you know he could get in to go to practice if he wanted to and I just truly don't think right now he has any – not that he has any interest because he has a ton of interest. He still stays up to date and watches every game and, you know, it, it takes in as much he still information cares. about Oklahoma athletics as anybody. He cares. He just has no interest in being in the spotlight and being, you know, being around there. And, you know, the other thing is with, you know, coming back to Norman and stuff, a lot of the guys that he knew just simply aren't there anymore. I mean, I, obviously Gundy is, but outside of that – Everybody else is new. There's not really those relationships yeah. uh, in a way. And, yeah, the the difference between Sam Bradford and uh, Baker Mayfield is it, <laughs> it's, it's a healthy comparison between the sex life that DeMarco Murray had and I had while in Norman. Vastly different. <laughs> Jake, can we get can't, you to, like— can't. Jake, can we get you to start some type of reminder? Like, can we send you like unofficial forty T-shirts that you can wear to remind Baker that you know we can We've never been able to get him to come on the podcast, even though I think Eddie yeah. has literally tagged him in at least twenty tweets he over the years. Him. Yep. 
I don't know if there's what? ever been an official invite, though. I, I, I think we're going to cut ourselves some slack here. There's never been yeah. an official capacity invite. There is one Cleveland Brown player who's a big fan of Eddie's. Uh, that's a uh, former Sooner. It's not Baker, though. I don't. It's uh, Austin. Oh, well, Sooner, I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah, Cybert. We have Austin a. Uh, I can. I finally say his name because he you said his name right. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, he had a, he had a hell of a year. I, you know, to just kind of put a bow on the thing with you, Jake, as far as I kind of like what the Rams did during the uh, offseason. Like, I, I like the signings that they made. I like the hires the that they or the made. Browns. Or uh, Browns, excuse me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, listen, I, they, have, they have a plan. They're on the same page. And I, I think that's a, a good start for this uh, new regime. And for Baker, because he, you know, he, he needs to be supported better than he has been uh, in the NFL. Real quick, one more question on that, and it just kind of popped into my brain. How uh, how important is it for Baker to start off the season well now with uh, the Case Keenum signing out there? They did not bring Case Keenum in to supplant Baker, and and sure. if we get to like if we get to like week nine, and Case Keenum is the starting quarterback, the Browns are in bad shape. It 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 basically means because I mean I, I think I think Case. Uh, is an underrated player, and I think they could win games with Case. But if you don't have a franchise quarterback in the NFL, like if if, if you don't have that guy, and the Browns haven't had that guy since Bernie Kosar, basically, um, you're just you know there's some there's some exceptions, but you're probably not going anywhere, and 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 that means they're on their way back to square one. So every move they made was not about like uh, a contingency plan. Uh, it was about like how can we help Baker, and they put Case in. Uh, you know, listen, he's a guy that can win a game in a pinch if, if Baker gets hurt, but bringing Case in was about, you know, giving Baker a guy that can help him in the quarterback room. And and that's why they, they brought in Case and not other backup quarterbacks that, that they potentially could have signed that, you know, maybe would have had a different approach to the situation. This is about, uh, you know, Baker Mayfield, and, and I think that that's a, a good sign about where the Browns could go off a really disappointing, you know, year two for Baker. All right. Well, um, we'll get to work on our unofficial 40 uh, hat gear and shirts and stuff so we can have you taunt Baker I, listen, for us. Uh, give, me, give me some swag that, that Eddie always wears. We'll do it. I haven't got any of that. I haven't even gotten any of that stuff in a while. We need to make some. We always talk about it, but we will make some uh, – Sooner scoop swag and send it out, and it'd be good for everybody because I'm sure that there's a lot of people really wanting to uh, spend money on merch these days. Well, all those dead, <laughs> unreported Chinese people are not making it right now, so it's going to take us a while. That's true. Uh, okay, Jake. Hey, appreciate it, man. Thanks for uh, reoccurring once again. We always enjoy having you. Good to talk to you guys. Hope you guys are well, and uh, we'll talk soon. Yeah, hope you and the family uh, stay safe and uh, quarantine and social distance and all that. Good luck with all that crap. Thanks, guys. All right, that's uh, Jake Trotter from ESPN. Uh, great for him to join us, and uh, we never roll out the red carpet for his brother-in-law like this. I'm sorry, Bob. I feel bad. And I not coming for Easter. That was supposed to be the next time we, we were going to get to see him. So, Corona strikes again. His kids are going to be Easter like, you know, walking. You're gonna, their graduation from high school will be the next time you see them, the way this thing's going. 
You think that's going to be on the uh, bottom ticker on Sports Center here in a couple weeks? Christ will not rise. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh my god. That'd be funny if it did, though. I'm trying not to say a lot that, of things now right now. That's, now that's an April Fool's joke. I really didn't think that Jaden Davis's thing was that bad. I didn't think it was bad. I just didn't think it was funny. It was kind of yeah. Funny. I mean, we've just seen it every single year, so you 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 get ready for it. He did a really good job of making it look like it could have been a transfer notice, though. Uh, he should have just left it up and said he was transferring, and then come back in like a couple hours and said. Now that would have been stupid. Woo! Because I legit it read it with a little bit of, you know, a little bit of worry. Throw you. I was already my 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 brain is already conditioned to uh, not put up with that shit today. <laughs> That's I, look, Josh. I actually want to ask: Is Goodwine's list legit, or was that a joke? I am trying to sort that out because that is shocking to me. That doesn't. Uh, for those that don't know, Monkel Goodwine on Instagram put out a top five that did not include Oklahoma. By every measurement I knew of, Oklahoma was like a top three contender for him. I think they were a little behind Alabama and LSU, but they were they were there, and that's great considering he hadn't even seen Oklahoma yet. So I'm trying to find out if this was just a kid messing around on Instagram or if this is real, but this is a guy that would be a hit for Oklahoma because this is Aaron Parks' high school teammate, uh, top 30 guy in the country according to Rivals. A big time position of needed defensive end. I mean, there's a lot to like there, and a lot that could have made sense. But if he really doesn't have Oklahoma in his top five, that's a that's a shot for Oklahoma. Because I think that was a guy they were hoping they could zero in on and maybe surprise some people with. You know, it is interesting, and it's going to be interesting kind of seeing as this you know uh, COVID nineteen thing plays out. Like, I almost wonder, like, is this going to make kids who are kind of making their decisions now? want to stay closer to home just because i mean more travel you know i i i just think it's going to be hard for people not to take that into account and until they see life get back to normal i mean at least i think there's something to that i mean you you get this a lot of times mm -hmm. where and it'll be singular you know like i'll talk to a kid and they're like yeah you know my my mom got sick during the season, and I started thinking about it. And if, if that happened, I couldn't be around her. You know, I'd be away, and that'd be hard for me. This is on a, you know, global scale. So does it make every kid think, oh, I'd rather be a little close to home if something like this ever happened? I mean, or if this it, doesn't it, go it away. Makes you wonder. Yeah, exactly. If I this mean, becomes like, a I, seasonal you know, thing. Need, yeah, if I need access to my family is this going to be a big problem? So it makes you wonder. But at the same time, I mean, the kid lists Alabama, LSU. I mean, so I don't know that that's all of it. But, yeah, it does make you wonder if maybe some hometown schools get a little bit, you know, um, uh, longer look because of it. Well, I mean. And that was that was the, the joke today was there was an Instagram post about Caleb Williams committing the Rutgers. That that was April Fool. That, that was pretty easy to find out. But that was leaning toward the home the hometown school because I, I i think that will be something at least for the next couple months is that will play a big factor now will those kids decommit and then go through the process again and like in the fall that's something i think could could go down too but for sure i think there's a 
you're gravitating toward wanting to stay closer to home at this moment. Well, we had some eyeballs, uh, and we actually were we, we we figured out who they were. It was it was it was made public who they were for the first time of these three that have come out since all this stuff, this pandemic took over. Uh, but uh, Bob, uh, it's your home turf in Oklahoma. Maybe you want to talk about this, uh, or, or Josh, feel free to. But I know there was kind of, you know, some from you guys talking back and forth. You know, a lot of people saw Jordan Mukes. Uh, they think, oh, it's, you know, it's not Caleb Williams. It's not Mario Williams. It's, you know, it's, it, it doesn't move the, the needle for me. But uh, it sounds like the more you guys talk about him, the more you, you show his basketball highlights, like there's a, a really big upside to this kid. I think there really is. I mean, and I get, uh, you know, and I should start with something that – I have been really open in, in my conversations and talking to sources. There was always this question of, yeah, we, you know, Oklahoma really likes him. They want to see where he's at. They wanted to watch him run track in the spring. Well, that obviously fell off the table with all that's going on uh, with COVID-19. But I talked to someone who told me they set up something where they actually recorded him running a 40. One of his coaches at Choctaw recorded it and then – you know, timed it out, gave it to OU, and they were pretty comfortable with how that came out. And I think that was kind of the that was the push they needed to say, okay, it's fine. I didn't, I never was given an exact number of what it was, what the time was on the forty, and it was a handheld. It's a coach time, and there's all those qualifiers. <laughs> but I was told it was, you know, four or five. Like basically, kid rolled out of the out of his car, went and ran, and ran somewhere around four or five, maybe a little below it. So I mean. That's that's plenty good, even if you factor in the things like I'm talking about, coaches, handheld. I mean, four six, if, if that's what it is, at six foot three and a half and 180 pounds, you can work with that. You, you can find a way to make that guy a useful player. And I think as a nickel, he's incredibly interesting. So, I mean, I, there, I think people get caught up sometimes in what the guy can't do and what he – is he a corner you're going to stick on an island and say go run with the Marquise Browns or the Tyreek Hill? No, that's that's not what you're going to want to do with him. But there are plenty of ways he can be a really successful football player. And it sounds like, uh, in terms of just big time recruiting, like uh, things continue to sound good with Bryce Foster and OU, the offensive lineman. Yeah, um, it was funny enough, like I said, we talked about it last week on the pod. There was, you know, Mike Farrell kind of tweeted something, and that I think that got kind of an underswell going. And it was something where I wasn't really digging for some of the things I found. I was just kind of talking to people. And I had a conversation this morning with a, a, a source I trust a lot. And it was, you know, and I've, I've already had this up on the board Basically, I was told if it was to be picked today, it would be Oklahoma. And I kind of went and checked with some of my A&M sources, and I heard the same thing. I mean, they are very concerned about Oklahoma right now. And I do think, you know, we've talked a lot about, oh, the positives, the negatives, you know, how does this all work? And I was told um, that they see this in Foster's case as absolutely a positive. That last visit went extremely well. Oklahoma answered a lot of the questions that Bryce had. And now all he's got is the last visit he took was, you know, Oklahoma and really being able to focus on them. Josh, has Bryce been someone who's been 
enamored by just the, the 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 most recent moment, but that most recent visit is that something that's always sort of been a factor for him, or is this something that oh you could overcome that when he goes back to College Station like in August, September, whatever have you, the OU visits, the OU connections are still going to mean something. Oh, I think they're absolutely going to mean something. I, I like, a, you know, and I, and this isn't a, you know, I was right. I had a feeling that was a big deal when he made that random trip during uh, for the, that spring practice, and it just sounds like that was kind of the moment that okay, maybe things are starting to shift here. That man, you know, and he doesn't take that trip if he's not serious about Oklahoma. And I think, like I said, he kind of went there because he really did want to see it again. And then Oklahoma answered a lot of questions about the track situation, how they were going to play that, how they would make that work with their schedule. They kind of laid it all out for him, and I think that was very big. And I just think there is also something to be said. I I have heard some people, and and not really to do with Bryce Foster. I don't want to make this Bryce Foster doesn't like this guy. But what has kind of been explained to me is that there are several of – the elite offensive lineman in Texas that maybe didn't hit it off with Josh Henson, uh, A&M's offensive line coach and former Oklahoma State offensive line coach. And I have been told maybe a few people haven't hit it off with him really well. And I, I actually had an A&M source tell me that in maybe the best class of Texas offensive linemen in the last 20 years, A&M may strike out completely. That would be amazing. That would be crazy. Yeah, I mean, because and, and if you think about it, you know, a guy. I, I again, I think we all know Bryce Foster is a guy I've got a big crush on. But a guy that I've talked a lot about as being really underappreciated is Reuben Fathery. And if he doesn't go to A and M, I again, I like Oklahoma's chances. It's not so much that I think A and M's a better option for him or that he likes them better. It's just you always have to get over that hump of the biggest, most nearby program. And for Fathery, like every other Houston kid, that's A and M. You know, it's funny the way that Oklahoma is recruiting offensive linemen right now and obviously stockpiling. They're putting guys in the NFL. Uh, I don't know if you guys had a chance to listen to the that Run the Power podcast this week, uh, which I thought was really good with Bill Biedenboe. Uh, it's, it, it's easy to see why he doesn't have to do a lot of salesmanship, I guess would probably be the best word or the best way to describe it. Like, you either come or you don't, and if you don't, he's going to find somebody else and – He's gonna either he's gonna either turn you into a uh, Orlando Brown or you're gonna work your ass off and all of a sudden you're gonna become a Ben Powers on this team. I can tell you talking to people about the way he recruits, when he loses a guy, there's no panic. He's not a guy that's like, well, I've got to have that guy or the whole thing falls up. Like he just doesn't operate like that. He doesn't think like that. It's, you know, it's a, okay, well, we didn't get that guy. I like this guy too. I can make that work. And that's part of it. Like everybody tries to make, you know, like they look at what he's done the last couple of classes and you're starting to see Oklahoma land more and more of those elite offensive linemen. But that doesn't change that for a long time. He, I mean, Ben Powers was no huge recruit. Cody Ford sure. was not a huge big time guy. Orlando Brown fell into Oklahoma's lap. I mean, like these, these yeah, that weren't. Was, that's. That's the guy that he talks about the most. Sorry, Josh, I didn't mean to cut you off, but Orlando no. Brown, uh, he basically tells the story that he thought about not even taking him. That, that was what it was explained to me as. I mean, Oklahoma, 
you know, he was committed to Tennessee for a long time. And I think, you know, basically, and Eddie, I mean, you might be able to say it better than me, but my understanding is a couple of nights before signing day, OU was still mulling over. Like he had kind of said, okay, I, I want to flip. I want to come to Oklahoma. And then Oklahoma had to kind of sit there and say, do we want him? So they, they had to go through that whole conversation. And obviously it worked out really well for everybody. Uh, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, Bob Bowlesby and, and Lincoln Riley having a teleconference yesterday, but just outside of that recruiting, why, why is, is there really anything that we need to throw out there on the pod this week that just really stands out to you? I just, I want Josh's thoughts. You know, when you're going through this process right now with no visits and you have two eyes out there, how patient can Lincoln be and not trying to force those guys hands to try to get some more national momentum going jordan mukes is good and we know he's good within the state but i don't think mario williams knows who jordan mukes is i don't think he resonates in terms of the national brand how tough or what sort of balance does lincoln have to strike to you know make sure this 2021 class comes together the way he wants it to but also that it can start happening sooner than later I think you're absolutely right, Bob. And I, I think, you know, to their credit, there's a lot of times we say, oh, fans maybe don't understand that. I think fans get that. Like, Mario Williams is not aware of Jordan Mukes. Like, that. that's – it's just not – and, I mean, I, the, knowing Jordan, I don't think Jordan's aware of Mario, but we understand what we're talking about here. They're, they, it's not an elite recruit that's going to cause the shockwaves that's going to say Mario Williams is going to take notice of this. Um I think what you try to do now is, okay, we've got him. Now, who's the next guy that maybe is a little step up in the food chain? Like, who's that next kind of four-star guy? You know, who who could we get to get on board with us? And, you know, my thought immediately goes to a guy like Kendall Daniels. Like, maybe we can push him. Maybe we can get him on board and let Ethan Downs, you know, I don't know if everybody read the story I put up, which is free on the front page of centerscoop.com right now. Um, the interview with Jordan Mukes, and he talked a lot about his decision kind of came down. He was sitting down talking with Ethan Downs and just decided, you know, okay, I think I'm ready to do this. They're, we're going to be roommates. We're going to, you know, it, it's going to be a good deal. Well, now you get Mukes and Downs coming to Kendall Daniels and having that conversation. Well, then, okay, and now we've got those guys. Well, okay, now what about Latrell McCutcheon? You know, uh, what about, and then you start getting, you just start moving up that food chain until you do get that guy like Caleb Williams. And then, hey, Bryce Foster, Mario Williams, Kamara Wheaton, we've got the number one quarterback in the country committed. Why don't you guys come be part of this class? We've really got something going here. Because I, I, I do. I think it's like it's like a it's a path. You can't jump seven steps. You've got to start somewhere. Mukes gives them that start, and now you've got to take the next steps down the line. Um, this isn't football recruiting. I don't know if you guys had seen this yet or any part of it, but uh, I did watch this HBO documentary on the uh, basketball scandal, the Christian Dawkins deal. Was that just a one-part deal, Carrie? Yeah, Is, is that God. the only one? Okay. Uh, yeah, I don't watch one-part deals right now. I, I, I'm a strict <laughs> eight, nine. I, I need multiple hours <laughs> of my life taken away. It's, I think it's about two and a half hours, though. It's called The Scheme. I guess they could have They could have done like they did in, uh, uh, what was that three-parter I watched that didn't need to be a three-parter? I can't even remember now. Um, but it was... It was the the dumbest 
setup. Like it just makes the FBI look terrible. Like there was no, there was no. They basically used a wannabe street agent and bankrolled him to see how far he could get in setting up coaches. And he would have gotten anywhere if they hadn't been giving him the money the entire time. So they were his financers. The FBI was. It was a couple of fake people. They said that they posed as like a nightclub owner from Miami. Uh, And there were some other real people involved. There was a banker. Uh, But what they did is they asked this Christian Dawkins to approach coaches instead of players uh, to see if they could get them on their payroll, which, and what he did that was stupid is he would take a coach into a meeting with the, with the undercover FBI people and they would pay like $5,000, you know, $9,000. And Christian Dawkins would just take the money and keep it himself because the coaches didn't want it. So, I mean, he, he spent a year in prison over this. It's just... Do I, am I missing how this isn't entrapment? Yeah, it, it, feels it like- absolutely <laughs> felt like entrapment the entire time. And the only thing, like, you watch the entire thing for two hours, only to hear that Christian Dawkins actually had phone calls with Sean Miller and uh, what's the LSU's coach, Will Wade? Wade. Uh, they were actually on phone calls with Christian Dawkins discussing paying players. And that's the only thing that was that was the only smoking gun out of the whole documentary. I mean, that seems like a pretty big smoking gun, though. But uh, yeah, I'm saying, but that's two coaches. Like there was no, he never, and that was everything that he had. Like that was it. Like there was nothing with Patino. Like they were trying to get Patino to to pay, you know, admit that he was paying when, when they'd just been hit with the horror scandal. Like, which was ridiculous. So, I mean, he never really got anywhere. He had he was a street agent who had a bunch of players and, you know, was paying them. And the But the, the, the shoe companies never even really come into focus. In the, like, they weren't going after the shoe companies at all. It's just ridiculous. Congrats to Adidas. They went after the wrong person. They, they just were dumb about what they were trying. They were trying to go after coaches so they could get you know, a conviction and a big deal. Like, it just seems like the entire thing was like, I don't feel like, like Kansas basically saying, you know, we were like, I almost feel like Kansas has a leg to stand on now with the NCAA after watching this thing last night. That's the thing though. Did anybody think that any of these schools, when it was all said and done, we're going to have to like shut down shop for a year because of the NCAA, like the NCAA can barely handle decisions on eligibility issues let alone tackle wide-scale massive pay-ups to players yeah i mean they're they're so worried about name image and likeness right now and you know how they're gonna and all that on the back keep amateurism right alive and whatever yes I don't, amateurism let's keep it alive <laughs> keep keep uh um that's what I'm looking for. Keep exploiting amateurism. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's it's going really well for everybody. But it's I would say it's not worth your time. If you really want to watch till the end, until Sean Miller and Will Wade basically show you what scumbags they are. Because they That's play they, they play their press conferences where they deny everything and then they play them on tape talking about paying players. So it just looks it looks terrible for them. 
it stuns me that there's a guy at LSU bending the rules. That catches me off guard in a big way. <laughs> Just and, means more. And that he's bidding more for players than Arizona is, and LSU doesn't do jack shit in basketball. Yeah. You might be a terrible coach if, if you're paying more than Arizona is and you're still not winning. I, I think I, there at was, least Sean Miller's winning. There was pretty much an admission that they that Sean Miller said that LSU paid a player they were trying to pay 150, 170, 175. Oh, I mean, we've all been on you know the eBay or wherever. I mean, it sucks when you get outbid. There's no doubt. <laughs> So, uh, anyway, Lincoln Riley teleconference yesterday is the first time that he's spoken to the media since everything was shut down since spring practice. And, look, they did a bunch of media. I mean, like, you know, pro day, a pre-spring press conference, one practice. There was a ton of opportunities to talk to Lincoln. Uh, they weren't hiding, but then it all shuts down, and he's been dealing with recruiting. And, you know, you had Bob Bowlesby come out and kind of uh, make everyone feel scared shitless that there wasn't going to be college football this year. Uh, but Eddie, Bob, you were on the call. It basically kind of came off as Lincoln Riley defiantly, you know, is going to play football this year. He doesn't believe that there's going to be any, you know, see, season lost. Yeah. I mean, something like that. I, <laughs> I kind of, I kind of thought it was more of a, I'm the leader of this program. This is the message that we need to send out as opposed to, uh, his actual personal thoughts on the situation. Maybe that's uh, me trying to read into it too much, but like we talked about it last week, guys. Like the reality of the situation is, is as ignorant as it is to be talking about, is there going to be a football season on April first? It's a very valid question right now, and I'm not talking about starting late. I'm talking about is there going to be a season? And you know, you get the Ohio State news today that they've canceled classes. Uh, on campus, on campus through, uh, I believe school, it yeah. is uh, August, the summer session, yeah. which runs up to August. Uh, there are a lot of question marks about what's going to happen. You know, I, I think the Big Twelve specifically probably still needs to go back and rewrite some of the, uh, you know, I guess the guidelines that they put out. Two hours a week is kind of absurd in a way, and I thought Riley said that as much yesterday. Uh, but you know, overall. That's kind of my thoughts on what happened during the teleconference yesterday. Obviously, we appreciated hearing from him because it was it was worth it. As as much as I like to try and kill the teleconference, it definitely uh, had some information in there that we kind of needed to hear moving forward without the spring period. And uh, it's it's going to be very interesting to see kind of where this whole thing boils out. But you know, the, the last thing I'll say real quick before I toss it to Bob is I think May thirty first, June first, that is kind of your uh, line of demarcation, if you will, as far as what's going to happen uh, with the college football season. And, gentlemen, that is literally two months from today. Yeah, when you start start looking at, at this stuff, you know, it, was, it was interesting when he's mentioning, you know, how the strength and conditioning and nutrition staff have to tailor every program to a specific player and – what a great job they've been doing, but how, how long can you keep doing that? How, how long can you make sure that these guys are, you know, keeping themselves in shape, keeping themselves around good, good people, not getting messed up when they're going back home. And, and I think that's sort of why you mentioned that there's, you know, 80 to 85% of the players aren't in Norman, but that other 
15 to 20. They're back in Norman because this is what they know. They're just what they do. It's springtime. They're supposed to come to campus, supposed to work out, supposed to get in condition, get ready for the season, get get ready to roll. And, and it's just the longer it goes, the, the tougher it's going to be to make sure all those parts remain together. But then it was interesting in terms of Riley going, we don't need like to make up for lost time with spring football and preseason practice. Just give us 15 to 20 total. That's all we need. You give us 15 to 20 practices. We can organize things. We can get it rolling. It might not be pretty that first month of the season, but it'll be more than capable to put a product out on the field that the fans will enjoy. The coaches will go nuts because they'll notice all the, the little errors. But the fans won't notice anything different, and at least there will be a season, at least there will be games being played. It was all going well until Barry Trammell told him it was going to be inferior football this year. <laughs> well, luckily, that was the last question. It was the question after the uh, – the, as far as I'm concerned, the teleconference was already over. Uh, yes, it was. <laughs> because it was ruined by a national reporter. Not just 20 seconds before that. Yeah, I just I just found out. Tell me what happened the last 30 minutes. Jesus. Um, it's better. To, what is the saying? It's better to keep your mouth shut than to open it. and Or better to be an idiot with your mouth shut than to open it and remove all doubt or whatever. Um, I don't think nailed we it. adhere to that. Nailed it. On this <laughs> no, definitely not. Um but Eddie, back to your point, and Bob, you kind of addressed this too. Lincoln talking about, you know, the two-hour rule. That's see, to me, it's it's almost like that is your general off-season rule. You can meet with players, do film study two hours a week. That's what's always been on the books. But it to me, I know he said you only need fifteen, twenty practices to get ready. But to me, I kind of feel like Lincoln Riley would like a little bit of an exemption just because. A lot of these schools did lose 13, 14 practices like OU did. Like, they should get some kind of time back for what they lost in the spring, at least, even if it's not work on the field, work, you know, film room work or something that allows them to kind of, uh, you know, make up for all that time lost. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And, you know, it, it's funny that. It's not funny, but it's the situation that we're in as far as without spring football. And I've never been a guy that thinks that spring football is like the end-all, be-all. It's good to get guys out there. But, I mean, you're talking about replacing a quarterback in in two guys, whoever you want to call it. I know we're not calling it a race, but Spencer Rattler and Tanner Mordecai need reps more than anybody out there. Uh, You're talking about a a left tackle position that has some question marks so many new faces in the program that got one practice. And I think everybody kind of knows what goes into that one practice. They're not really uh, practicing per se. So, I mean, you're, you're basically going to be throwing guys out there, whether it be in August or September or whenever they are finally able to get back on, on the field that are, you know, basically kind of going through this for the first time. And I, it just, it, it seems very big 12 to me to look at that and think that they did enough when in reality, like, what are we really doing here? Who is who is the person that is going to be sitting in the OU coach's office? And it's like, you have one hour, 59 minutes. You better wrap it up in the next 60 seconds. Like, I just don't think that schools are going to really, I guess, live up to that policy of only talking for two hours. It's just it's yeah. stupid to me. Art Browns never stupid. would. It, it did, and it, it, it sort of goes back to, you know, when you talk about 
all these players that needed spring. And, and that's why I did that, that piece about the offense and defense. And when one player per position is amazing, how many players I could think of like, well, you could add him, you could add, you could add him. And it just, it seems so strange because if, I always thought this would be a period of experimentation with positions, trying to figure out where maybe we could put this guy because it didn't really work when he was at this spot previous season. Well, now you really don't have that chance. When If if this ever gets going again and it's only like 15 to 20, you just got to jump into it. And those guys that needed that time to sort of grow into a new role or learn it, that's just not there. And it's so curious to watch that which players are going to be able to adjust quicker with the way this calendar is going to be altered compared to those who really needed spring, who were going to need summer conditioning, summer workouts to put it all together. I said this this morning, because of the loss of spring, because you have, you know, young quarterbacks, because they, they're, you know, they know the system, but they're not masters of the system. I could honestly see Lincoln Riley going into the season and playing two quarterbacks. If it's a if it's kind of a late you know rush start, mm, I don't think that they would put themselves in that position if that makes sense. I guess better it said, actually. I don't think it's that close. And that's without having seen either of them. I mean, look, I think Spencer Rattler's gonna be the better quarterback. It's just, I mean, he didn't look fantastic in the three passes he had against LSU. I mean, it was the three passes in a game they were down by Of course, 40. I can't sit I, here and I say that Tanner Mordecai <laughs> has ever looked fantastic, you know, in a game. I mean. No, I I, I, I guess I, I don't know. I was going to say I understand what you're saying, but it, it just, I, I don't think that he would do that. Let's, but then again, I don't think out. anybody knows exactly what's about to happen. Either. Let's have a tweet off. We'll, we'll see if Lincoln answers either one of us. Put it in all caps. That's the only way you can get through to them. Hmm. Interesting. Um, anything else that stood out to you guys about uh, Lincoln's teleconference yesterday? I liked him addressing Trey Sermon, and I liked that he mentioned that he was frustrated in the middle of last season, even before the injury. Because I That think was interesting, yeah. The speculation, and I put myself right in the, the same boat. I always thought Sermon was sort of banged up anyway before the season-ending injury, and I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that wasn't the case. Maybe it's just the way he was being used, and it, it still doesn't make that much sense to me because of how effective he was during the first month of the season, even with the limited amount of touches, that he just – disappeared and uh, I thought Lincoln did a good job handling that situation you sort of knew that he would it was not like he was going to say anything bad about the kid and he understands I mean if you're going to win a lot from the transfer portal well there's going to be a time or two where you actually lose you're like it's not where oh some of those defensive guys who were never going to play it down in 2020 we don't really care that they that they took off Someone like Sermon, that he was going to be used. He was going to be a member of the offense for sure. And, you know, that's just that's how the transfer portal works now. It's it's fairly obvious that Trey Sermon felt he was pretty pissed off about the way things went down. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any any doubt about that. And, you know, even with Bullware gone, that wasn't enough. So it kind of tells me he was mad at Lincoln Riley as well, which, you know, I that 
we're not there every day, so we don't get to know what exactly happens inside the meeting rooms. But he obviously feels like he was wrong in some, some fashion. Yeah, and it, you're right. I mean, it was it it's it's like vintage Lincoln Riley. Like he he, and he said like you know I can't really complain too much because we've taken advantage of the portal as much as it's hurt us. So, um, it it is kind of it's not refreshing, but it's impressive that he can be so calm about that that kind of thing because you could like you said you could tell he didn't like that it happened the way it happened, but. He was just kind of accepting of, like, it couldn't be, you know, it couldn't, that relationship got to a point where we couldn't fix it. Or his trust in how we were going to use him couldn't be repaired. And I think that's really what it came down to. Yeah, yeah, I, I, that, that sounds fair to me. I, it, I would just love to know what exactly happened. Like, outside of him feeling like getting screwed out of carries, which is very apparent. And that'll piggyback into, you know, DeMarco Murray and the challenge that he has in his first year. And it's it's weird being on a tele on a teleconference and being one of the last calls. Cause I had to keep track of everything that was being asked, cross it off. Like, oh, recruiting question got asked. No, the Trey Sermon question got asked. So I finally got around to like question number eight or nine that I had, which was how Jamar Kane DeMarco Murray are like how big of a loss this is for uh for them and Kane's been around the block you know he's coached a lot of different places probably a lot of different situations I feel like he can adjust much better because he's been through this these type of experiences a lot more but Murray his second year coaching he thinks he's got Sermon now Sermon's out the door now he doesn't have a chance to work with the backs that are actually on on campus and he's just seen two of the top 2021 running backs pick the Buckeyes, two guys OU was really going after. I mean, I'm not going to say his head is spinning, but he has got to you know, make sure he gets the under control and that there's production with those guys on, on campus and starts really knocking it out of the park for 2021. There's still a lot of great backs out there, and there's some that you might even think were bigger priorities than Henderson in the uh, first place, but this is, you know, he's got to start really getting it rolling. And cause this isn't, you know, he's a OU legend and we're just welcoming him home. And it's just great that he's part of the staff. He's got to put in the work. And I think he knows that. I think he's trying to do that. Now we just need to start seeing some read the, re- the result of what he's been able to do. By the way, if anybody is uh, really interested to know what, you know, life is like for us in quarantine, well, you can go to, at Eddie underscore Ratto. My God, I don't know what you're doing. There's no volume. But what, are you uh, playing basketball? Well, he's he's <laughs> teaching people about hydrating, apparently. Did you make this With today? His, uh, I, should make, I, I showed how to make a glass of water. <laughs> I figured if Marky Martin can show people how to make a f***ing Cobb salad, I can show people how to make some ice water. <laughs> Who's doing Cobb salads? I don't. I didn't hear any of that. I'm sorry. Um, Marky Martin, but she she's not here anymore. She she left Channel 5 a couple months ago, I think. It's an inside joke. Okay. <laughs> yep. Those work great on podcasts. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the, 
Josh, how is your uh, quarantine life going? Are you just are you covered in makeup right now? No, it really it hasn't been that bad because, like I was telling you know, I, I don't know that I've actually even told you guys. Tiffany's having a few days off here and there. They're kind of working a That's schedule good. to kind of to alleviate some of the you know just work time stress that kind of stuff. So they're fine. You know, she's had a little town time. But the problem is, is it looks like we are going to sell our house within the next two weeks and going to close. On it. So now we have to pack and do all that in the middle of all this. Like moving is, in the middle of a pandemic. Yes. Who, who, who hasn't lived that life with two children who are at home all the time? Like, you, like, it wouldn't be a big deal. You take them to school. You've got all that time. But now, like yesterday, Tiffany's trying to pack the kitchen while I'm trying to work on Jordan uh, Muke stories. And the girls are trying to do their homeschooling, and it's just, it's insane. Like, there, there's no way to get all these things done. And so at some point, you're like, well, we're going to have a drink at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. So, you know, you just have to wave the white flag eventually. I can tell how bad it's getting out there because I'm learning way too much about Frozen 2, which I've, I, I haven't even seen Frozen 1. Mm-hmm. I'm learning about, you know, that Lincoln Riley used a Frozen 2 term yesterday during his teleconference and everything that I had no oh, idea. Did he? Wait, what, what, what did he use, Wait, Bob? did he? Yeah. About, what? uh, what was it? Um, oh, like, Bob, I'm a little yeah, embarrassed, they, Disney man. You got to keep what moving the? forward or moving, you know, and moving forward oh, after that or something d- like that. Do the next right thing? Yeah, do the next right thing. That's do what it was. Do the next right thing. Okay. He said that yesterday. All right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he I've, did. I've he seen did that movie that. a couple times. Like, yeah, <laughs> someone with kids had to point that out to me that he was making a Frozen Two reference, so they knew that because he's got two girls, so it's obvious it was. It's like a little, you know, little forensic detective work there. Like Lincoln Riley was basically crying for help on his teleconference yesterday. <laughs> it was a cry for help that he's seen Frozen now, Two enough. Did Carrie do his homework and watch Tiger King? No, I haven't yet. Oh, Same. I haven't finished mine either. I, Tiffany and I, we, we got two done that night, and then we literally haven't watched one since. So oh, it just, it we just, haven't it, all been at home and had nothing to do. I just Sir? find that there's other things that interest me. I don't know what to tell you. I, I just, it's not, not Tiger King. I haven't binge-watched anything. I haven't had Netflix on at all. Well, that's, that's just wrong. That's a waste of good waste of time. Yeah, I don't even know what you're doing then. Do you not understand that YouTube is awesome? They have all kinds of shit on there. YouTube is, is my in instructionalized country. I don't watch YouTube. <laughs> no, you just YouTube shoot is my how-to. You just shoot yourself shooting baskets. Sometimes I don't. <laughs> Yeah. Why is the ball as big he, as it he threw is? It down. Why is the ball that big? Like, didn't the net come with a regulation size ball? Why That's are you using the ball that ball? It came with. I'm wondering the same. I think it has to. Uh, the the net just has to be worked in a little bit. I, I, the balls, the balls, the one that came with the goal. So I don't know. It, it is kind of weird though. I can't believe it's still Nerf standing. Ball. Those things never lasted more than a day or two. You, your hair is not completely out of control. I'm kind of proud at that. I can see the mullet coming in, though. Mullet. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, Pearl update from you. Are you guys... I, I get... I, of all the people that are just sitting around binging stuff, I feel like 
Bob and Brittany are the champions of this. Am I wrong? A little bit. A little bit. I started Ozark the other day. That first episode was so intense. So I'm I'm fired up. You're talking about season three? three? Seasons. Or are you no, just starting on the very beginning? Total. Okay. So now I was like, ooh, I, I want to do that. I got three seasons to watch. All right. Cool. So that's probably what I'll be doing during the, this next week. But now we're just, you know, she can, Pearl can sit up now and she's laughing and she, she called me Bob. I swear she called me Bob last <laughs> Thursday. It shocked the hell out of us. Like, what? Bob. I was like, no, that's not my name. No. <laughs> so, but it's, it's been a lot of fun to, because there's so many times that you're on the road and you're at events, you feel like you, you miss those little moments. I'm not missing any any of those moments You're right now. You're getting everything. Do you guys, how do you, how do worse. people videotape their kids anymore? Is it just all on iPhones, or do you actually have a camera that you use? Both, both. I think Mine's for all... the when there's little moments, it's just iPhone. But when it's something that like, oh, she did this, let's have her do it again, and let's get it on the real camera. Is That's it reasonable? That that I, we do that a little, but I mean, you See, know, like I don't even mind. Like, are you at least using the company camera? Because you have a nice camera from the company. Yes. Okay. Good. Yes, I am. <laughs> okay. Good. I, man, I'll tell you, it amazes me. Like, I will go somewhere. Like, when we went to Jackson Hole last year. I like. I, I told Tim, I was like, "You want me to bring the the big camera? We'll you know take some really nice shots, do some stuff." She's like, "Oh no, it's fine." And I'm like. We've got this unbelievable camera that literally no one else in Yellowstone is going to be able to match. And she's like, no, we're good. We'll just do it with our phones. I'm like, okay. I mean, I'm not going to fight I'm you. Kinda to of of bag. I'm kind of proud yeah. of you. I'm kind of proud of you. I tried to take it. maternity photos with that camera. And when Pearl's 41 weeks, we're going to do the same exact thing. We're going to go back to all the places where we took the maternity photos and do photos with uh, Brittany and Pearl. 41 weeks because she was a week late random times now because she was a week late so she went 41 okay okay weeks okay gotcha gotcha okay okay that does make more sense i was like you just gonna throw it out i mean like we're gonna go like 327 days and we're gonna take a special picture it's gonna be great why not now like texas is shutting I, I, off I, texas is shutting off uh itself from louisiana last i heard i don't know if a judge has overturned that yet um but have you guys had any like just covidiots around you while you while you've had to make runs here or there? Because I kind of got into a, a bad, I got in a bad situation last night with an idiot at the grocery store. The uh oh, the the things I've had are um, so like uh, like I say as we go through the sale of this house, there were a few things we had to have done. So like tonight we're gonna have to have a plumber come over. Well, I think Tiffany's going to bring home like a surgical mask from the hospital. We're going to have the guy wear a mask in the house. Like I stuff like that. that. And I don't mean like before anybody panics, like we're not stealing N95s. Like we're just talking I'm going to investigate this mask. per Donald uh, Trump. Yes, yes, Christians have been making people do this for years. You have to put on a mask I, when you come in the house, especially if you're not American. Eddie, <laughs> Eddie, if Tiffany brought you in the house, she would wipe you down with Clorox. She just wouldn't trust My God, do you make, like, Linda get in one of those suits from E.T. when she <laughs> does the house now? No, no, we're yeah, super not Jeremy. It has what? 
realize that it has little holes for her tits, though. It, it's, it's, a, it's a sexy. It's a it's a sexy hazmat suit. They don't sell them everywhere. Sure, sure. That that that's a that's special. It comes out the back. Sexy hazmat. I guarantee that's becoming a thing. Whatever the costume websites are, there's probably coronavirus sexy uniforms. Yeah. Oh, for sure. God, I can't. It's a good thing we don't have an HR department. Oh, God, we'd all been fired a long time ago. Well, Bob, Bob would be king of the world while the three of us were just like, like on permanent probation. Um, no, I, I, it's like, so you still run into these people that like, don't care or understand what's going on in the world. And like, I went to the grocery store last night and this fat kid who's wearing socks and sandals, he looks like he's probably a college kid, uh, I I'm going I needed to get I wanted to get like all paper stuff and and I needed to get some more, you know, cutlery, plastic ware, whatever you call it. Um so I'm going down and I'm getting bowls. Uh and this kid like starts walking towards me. I was like, "Oh, you're coming down this aisle?" cuz I was like leaving. And instead of him like getting any distance, he just like keeps walking towards me. I was like, "Oh, I'll go the other way." And it was like that set him off or something. Because then he was like following me around the store and this like the groceries. I don't know if this is like every grocery store now, but like the only grocery stores at Homeland that were open last night were the self, you know, self checkout. Because I think they just, you know, think people prefer that. And I do. And I went and did self checkout. But there were all four of them left open, two on the other side. And then they're, they're kind of close together. So then this idiot comes right to the one rec- right next to me. And I'm like, dude, there's like four other ones open that nobody's at just go to one of those it's just like i don't understand how people aren't more self-aware i guess i'm nothing surprises me i i've been impressed because i guys i don't know about you guys i am a handshaker like and you guys know it like if i see one of you i'm gonna shake your hand like it's just a it's an instant thing no i mean like i just mean in general i am it it has been like I can feel my right arm moving when I see like I said like we had a guy come over to finalize an inspection yesterday and like my instant reaction is to stick my hand out like I can feel myself like holding it back and I, I guess you know it takes one to know one because I'm looking at him I'm like he's thinking the same thing I am like it's just weird not for me not to shake someone's hand when I meet them and that that to me has been the biggest thing but the distancing. I, I could live like that probably for a very long time. That's fine. I, I've got no, like, you got to stay over here. I'll stay here. We have our bubbles. I'm happy. But the, the no handshaking is a very complicated thing for me. Are you guys kind of going out like once a day or even that? I've found ways to stay inside the entire day after I get back from the radio station. And that's at like 9 a.m. And for me to do that, that is, uh, I think I told you guys last week, like I, I can't remember the last time that I've cooked and provided food and nourishment for myself this much. <laughs> I feel really accomplished, to be honest. Uh, Eddie, I want you to know, Tiffany listened to last week's pod, and Tiffany is an excellent cook, but she struggles with anything breakfast-related, so she really related to you working out the egg. <laughs> I've I've progressed. I've moved from uh, making my own egg McMuffin sandwiches. Today I tackled some. 
Yeah, he broke up on us before we could hear he, what, okay. what that was. Right. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I said today I tackled a new food item. It's called the grilled cheese, and I killed it. <laughs> it was unbelievable. I've, I mean, Eddie, people have been making grilled cheese. Like, I, I, grew, up, I grew up with way, two parents that both worked, and I was making grilled cheese at, like, 10. Yeah, same. I, I will have a grilled cheese cook-off, Carrie, any day <laughs> of the week. It's really easy, Eddie. It's butter, bread, and cheese. You say that, and then you know maybe things go haywire. Maybe maybe you didn't put enough. Look, you and I have spent you and I have spent a lot of time on the road over the years. You do not have some delicate palate, pal. Okay. (laughs) I I I love the idea that Eddie just said that he's like, let's just say hypothetically. You know, something could go wrong. You could start a fire in your apartment. <laughs> Things could happen. And I'm just talking off the, you know, off the cuff here. Maybe. Believe me, I'm not doing this because I want my door open. I'm doing it because I'd have to get some smoke out of this. <laughs> Next week, Eddie's big reveal is going to be, okay, I learned how to do this thing. It's called chicken salad sandwich. You take a tuna of the sea, chicken of the sea, mayonnaise, and and dill relish, and you put it in a bowl, oh, and you mix awesome. it up, and then you put it on a. It's it's fantastic. That's how you know. That's how you know I've been kidnapped. That's how you know uh, Jeff Lowe has come and dis- my body somewhere else if I'm eating tuna fish <laughs> or mayonnaise or any of that other nasty. <laughs> shit. There's that delicate palate. Can't eat that. I'm a, I might try and tackle like a roast or something. That sounds pretty good. Do you have a Do you have a, a slow cooker? No, I think I, you would one like that. My parents, I could. I could no, get, you should go. Uh, you know, order on Amazon. Get you a, a mm-hmm. crock pot. That you is really like sixty bucks. Yeah, that is like you just throw shit in a bowl and let it go all day, and it's fantastic. Yep. Yeah, I think yeah. I'd need to do that. I actually might. Do that right after we get done here. It's like an easy purchase that needs to be made. It's not Eddie, like, like it's like, you, and you can cook enough like for like four meals. Like you, you wouldn't need to cook again for right. half the week. I really, I, like, I haven't been binge watching. I found ways to be entertained, and I gotta admit, Big Cat's horse racing is one of the most fantastic things of the pandemic. Uh, <laughs> and also, I love his idea of just going to Amazon, typing something in to see if it exists, and then buying it, like head massager. He's got a head massager now. I, why haven't I ever thought of doing something like that? So I might do that. No, you should get one. You should get one yourself. I don't want a head massager, but, you know, think of something else. I know you're, Surprise trying, us you're, trying, to, you're trying to go dirty, but I'm not... I'm not doing that. Surprise us next week. Get we could have another uh, unveiling with the box. Oh yeah, unboxing, With social distancing. Yes, we did. Those 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 have NASA those shoes, shoes been on your. No, feet? those shoes are still in the box. They as soon as they as soon as I uh, had the unboxing, they stayed in there. Like it's I haven't even touched them since then. They're just in the closet. 
I looked on eBay I, though. It's, the price is not exactly skyrocketed on those. There's no like there's no, no like three hundred dollars a pair on eBay or anything. I thought it was funny that one of the things that uh, the Big Twelve put out in the guidelines or the outline that schools could do is be able to send kids uh, athletic apparel. Uh-huh. I like I joke about that, but I bet that's a big deal to some of those kids. <laughs> Uh, and especially like the freshmen that don't like have any shit that they want to wear around town, even though they're not supposed to be leaving town. Yeah. I mean, that's why we were always, everybody was so upset about why, why Jalen Hurts wouldn't wear OU stuff. <laughs> that's fun. Maybe that's what it was. Maybe they were just shadowing. Uh, I think we're going to have to act. God, whose dog is that? Seriously. I don't have yippee dogs. I, I I don't. That, I don't that would dogs. be mine. I don't know what they're barking at. <laughs> Amazon. We got a Amazon package. Let that sucker. Tell down. Brittany to reel that animal in. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that does it for this edition of the quarantine show. Unless you guys had anything you want to throw out there real quick before we get out of here. Uh, uh, no, I, I, oh, no, no, I don't think so. I I would put it out there that. You know, it's kind of funny that how on time all the sports is, uh, there's been a lot of really interesting recruiting stuff from Bob and Josh on the site. Uh, I would go check that out, especially like today's notes and stuff like that. That's all I had, though. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's something I wanted to say something about, too. Uh, you know, we're going to continue to work hard, and recruiting is not done. I mean, it's there's still a lot of information coming out. We're getting teleconference stuff, you know, from coaches, and they're trying to check in. And, uh, you know, we're on top of everything still. I know it's not practice. Uh, I know it's not even, you know, what you're used to in the offseason. There's no baseball. There's no softball. Uh, but people continue to stay with us at Sooner Scoop. We can't tell you how much we appreciate that. Uh, you know, we don't know when this is going to be over, how long it's going to take. There are people out there uh, that you know have, have lost their jobs, uh, that are that are going to be you know really hurting financially. It could be us one of these days if they don't play a football season this year. Um, but you know, our thoughts are with all you guys. In you know, I, we told this to people on the board too. You know, if, if you've been a longtime member of Sooner Scoop, you really love the site, uh, and maybe you have been, you know, laid off or furloughed, and, and, and you don't know uh, where the money's going to come from, just just email me or DM me. Same with Josh uh, on, on Twitter. Josh, your DMs are open, right? Yep, yep. Yeah, yeah my DMs I, are open. I agree completely. Josh's if DMs are open. Help, let us know. It, we can work something out. So, um, you know, in times like this, I know it's not always good if you don't have a job. Your wife probably doesn't want you on Sooner Scoop all day long. But, um, you know, we want you to have as much normalcy as possible. If, if you know, it's, it's, I, I can't imagine what some of you guys are, are going through and gals out there uh, with, you know, what's going on with the economy. I know we're still at the very beginning of it. So, you know, our thoughts and our prayers are with you and your families and especially those, uh, you know, that have been affected by uh, the coronavirus or maybe have loved ones that uh, – uh, have tested positive or maybe, you know, battling away in the hospital. It's 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 a really tough time, and uh, we really appreciate you guys staying with us and hope you'll continue to stay with us. We'll continue uh, to work hard uh, bringing you the latest information that's out there and just, you know, being a part of the community and, and talking with you every day, and, and, and we really enjoy doing that. So want to thank you guys, and feel free to add on anything you guys uh, you want to on that. Okay. 
That encompassed yeah, all it. of our thoughts. Okay. Well, good deal. All right. Well, thank you to Eddie. Thank you to Bob. Thank you to Josh. Thank you to Jake Trotter, too. Really appreciated him being on and giving us some perspective of what it's like covering Baker Mayfield with the Browns and everything that's going around around that franchise right now. So uh, at least we're going to have a draft soon. Uh, C.D. Lamb and Kenneth Murray and, and, and Neville Gallimore and perhaps I, know, you know, I saw Parnell Motley in a mock draft the other day. That was good. Uh, so Jeremiah moved Jalen Hurts to, num- to number 50 today. Oh, I forgot about Jalen Hurts. He played at OU? Okay, I forgot that. Um, I, I still just we – and we'll have more time to get into it, but I, if an NFL team takes him in the second or third round, I just think that's ridiculous. Yeah. But Unless they have Matt a specific – Matt Miller mocked him to the Colts today. I mean, I could see I, that I like if you're the Ravens or <laughs> something and you have a – you know, maybe you have a – like if you're – if you have a history of doing something with, you know, specialty quarterbacks or something, I mean, like, uh, you know, the Saints and Taysom Hill or something like that, like maybe, you know, people are wanting to, but that's what you draft, but you don't draft a quarterback in the second or third round to do that. It doesn't. Yeah. It wouldn't make a lot of sense to me. It doesn't make sense. All right. Uh, thanks everybody for listening. And uh, we'll be back again next week for another quarantine version of the unofficial 40 podcast. Uh, until then, everybody stay safe, practice your social distancing, uh, and let us know if there's anything we can do to help you uh, on uh, at Soonerscoop.com. So thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week right here on the unofficial 40 from Soonerscoop.com.